Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we have Sam Purley of Hornets.com to share his take on Chicago food and also talk about the way that Miles Bridges has performed here lately. We continue the Miles Bridges discussion by sharing a few stats that I mentioned Doug is hungry. We also mentioned the process, evaluating it, maybe even trusting it with Mitch Kupchak and this. Next time, beef sandwich, <laughs> spicy peppers, and that's all. that's all you need. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We have some more audio from Rick Bennell to play for you later. But first, Doug had a chance to talk with our buddy Sam Purley of Hornets.com. It wasn't at all because I was late to the show or anything. I just genuinely didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to talk about math anymore. So Doug just decided to knock it out. And here's Sam Purley of Hornets.com right now on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You were definitely late. Joined now by the great Sam Purley, and I have him all to myself, Sam. I was talking to Walker yesterday about you coming on, and he was he was just excited uh, to get all of the numbers from you because that's all he thinks you are. He thinks you are a calculator. He likes to treat One you. One-dimensional. It's crazy. He likes to treat you like a Texas Instruments calculator. And I know you're more than that. I know that you love all of the pleasures of life, including food. And you just uh, got out of Chicago for the All-Star break. I know there's amazing food in Chicago. It's one of my favorite food cities. What did you enjoy? Oh, we definitely did not go hungry there. Uh, I think kick things off. We got there Wednesday. Our group of uh, videographers and social. Uh, we did the the deep dish Illuminati yes. on Wednesday night, and that kind of set us. That was pretty much uh, knocked us out for the night. We had dense, and we did the hot dogs the next yes. day, and um, really overall great experience. Great city too. I, I haven't spent too much extended time in Chicago, but to have a little downtime and walk around and see things and try the food. Went to Harry Carey's restaurant. I think on Saturday. Um, it was awesome. Great, great weekend for sure. It is a fantastic city, and it was a great weekend for the Charlotte Hornets, Sam. Uh, Miles Bridges getting the MVP for the Rising Stars game. Devontae Graham participating in the three-point contest, and then Graham Bridges and uh, P.J. Washington participating all in the Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, what did you think of Miles' performance, stepping up in that second half, tweeting mid-game, and then stepping up and 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 doing some pretty amazing things? Thought he had one of the best dunks in the entire weekend, uh, and, and it's been an extension of how he's played heading into the All-Star break. What did you think of Miles over the weekend? Yeah, I thought he was awesome. It was a great representation for the organization, all three of them. I think it's, you know, it is an exhibition game, and you, know, you can say what you want about it when it's contested, but you know, definitely the best young players in the NBA in that third quarter, I think they were down 10 and they had a 20 point swing in the third quarter. And I think our Hornets guys combined for maybe like 21 or 22 of the 44 points and maybe had a stretch where they scored 15 straight points between Devonte, PJ and miles. So a lot, a lot of fun. We actually, so I was sitting up way up high and had to walk all the way down before the game ended. So we were kind of, uh, we didn't know Miles won MVP until got a text from somebody like, oh, you know, it happened. So it was really, really exciting. Happy for him. And yeah, like you said, leading into the All-Star break, I think the eight games maybe since the Paris game was averaging around 20 points per game, shooting 46% from the field, eight rebounds, really, really aggressive. I think he's about 11 points higher 
conversion at the rim, 73% than he was in the previous 45 games of the season. So um, definitely went into the all-star break, kept the momentum going, hopefully can keep it going coming out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. want to talk to you about what they've been practicing on in preparation for the second half of the season in just a moment. But let's hang with the All-Star weekend. Devontae Graham seemed like he was a little bit nervous uh, heading or at least heading out of that uh, three-point shooting contest. He did, I didn't think he performed all that badly. It was just like everybody was was knocking them down. I mean, it was a it was just a tough three-point shooting contest altogether. Uh, were you surprised that Devontae was a little bit nervous uh, heading into that three-point shooting contest? Uh, no, it happens. I mean, you got to think he's a second-year player. To even be invited in three-point contest means you're an elite shooter in this league, and that's what he's become. So first time doing it, every NBA fan in the world is watching. You're going to have a little bit of nerves. I, I think it's totally fine. And, you know, he says he wants to do it again, and maybe next time he can he – can, uh, you know, have a little bit better showing, but I think kind of getting there is was an accomplishment in its own. You know, it's after the first couple of racks, it looked like he got going and, you know, I think it capped off a great weekend again. I yeah. Mean, you Heald and, and Booker and, and Bertans put on quite a show and they've done this before. Um, so, and they're also a little bit older. So all in all, I think you would have loved to do a little bit better, but I think if you kind of look at the big picture of being invited and being on that stage, I think that's noteworthy on its own. And, and to me, that's what you have to extrapolate out of this All-Star weekend. It's not about performances or how players did, but it just feels like having that experience on that huge national stage has to benefit them both individually. And I think, I mean, I loved all of the images of Miles and Devontae and PJ all hanging together. I mean, this this could represent the core of the Charlotte Hornets future for years to come. I mean, did you did you experience that while you were there, seeing them together and building uh, that sort of little coalition with one another? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you see the pictures and stuff and having spent time around them this year, they are very, very close. And I think that's important when you have a team and it's not just them. It's, you know, it's Malik and the Martins and all those kind of younger guys and stuff that have gotten really, really close this year, um, which I don't think is the situation in every team. And I mean, we, you know, they, they were so good going through the media circuits and the questioning and photos. And it's just, it's a, it's kind of a nonstop, particularly for Devonte doing two events, nonstop two days of just kind of being going in every direction, but their attitudes, the representatives of the organization and what they were able to accomplish, knowing that you're not just here for yourselves, you're representing your teammates, your organization, each other was extraordinary. I could not have been more impressed with the three of them in terms of how they interacted, how they represented the city, the team at the all-star game. And, um, and JB even said yesterday after practice, He's heard from other coaches that were in the area that they he was also very they were also very impressed by these three and their demeanor, their attitude, things like that. I can't get my mind off the food. You started talking about <laughs> Chicago food. That's all. I, I yeah, I'm sure you said something very interesting there. I'm I'm yes. certain of it, but I I can't stop. So, what did you get on the hot dog when you got the hot dog? Did you go for the full Chicago hot dog Chicago experience? Dog. Yep. Yes. So Chicago had, dog. All right. Yeah. The, we the, the full uh, pickle, the full tomato. Yep, the little the little pepper thing, the oh, tomato, the, the poppy seed, yeah, the poppy seed uh, bun, the mustard, the onions, I'm all for it. So Mike Ristaldi as well, our PR guy, is a big Chicago dog guy, so we kind of uh, um, did we anyone did anyone him. ask for ketchup? Like, did anyone dare try to go a different know. way? I was kind of I kind of focused on my own own meal, make sure nobody <laughs> uh, nobody snagged it from me, and I kind of just had. had 
tunnel vision. I was playing, uh, I was playing was, my own game. <laughs> I wasn't focused on what the opponent was trying to yeah, do. I was just exactly. focused on what I had to do to win the game. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears. Let's uh, talk about what the Hornets have to do in this second half to – we know this season isn't about wins and losses, right? It's really about mm-hmm. developing players, developing the future. So I'm just interested. They, they've had a practice already heading into tomorrow night's game against the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you get a sense of uh, in terms of what the Hornets, what JB, what everyone is focused on, what they want to see out of this uh, final stretch of the season? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I think the last three years, you've always had that sort of playoff carrot hanging over, you know, playoffs, playoffs is what we need to be to be playoffs. You don't necessarily have that this year. So to have a tangible goal out there isn't, whether it's present, I don't know about it. Maybe it's going 500 to the rest of the year. Maybe it's shooting a certain percentage. Maybe it's X, Y, Z. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of just more of the same. It's continuing to develop. And you saw it in that Minnesota game, you know, Jalen McDaniels getting sediments, Caleb Martin starting. I mean, every single young guy that was available to play has played. Um, and I think, too, another thing that's going to be something to these next two months is you don't have Marvin Williams anymore. You don't have Michael Kidd-Gilchrist anymore. Who's going to assert themselves as a leader? It might be a second-year guy. It might be a third-year guy that's, you know, it, it's going to be kind of a leadership by committee thing. So that's going to be an important factor, I think, in the second half of the season. And there's going to be a lot of home games, too, in March, a lot of good competitive teams coming in clippers lakers rockets spurs nuggets teams like that so there's going to have a great opportunity to play against some very very talented competition now whether the team has some sort of internal goal about what their record wants to be things like that you know that's kind of up to them but um i think it's just kind of being consistent sustaining the play they've had through the guys like malik monk miles bridges pj Devonte, and closing out the season strong did you do the beef sandwich while you were there? I know you said pizza. You did the hot dog. Did you manage to get a beef sandwich? Did you squeeze no one of those sandwich. in there? Yeah, I think we were, kind of, we were kind of running around. We started getting into like the circuits and the appearances and stuff. Kind of got to the point where it's like, let me just find anything. So we did hit Shake Shack at one point, which was, I know we have it here, but still very delightful. And then um, a lot of coffee. And uh, Harry's Carey's Restaurant out on Navy Pier where Devontae Graham had an appearance. It was also very, very good. So I can't complain about the food at all. Next time, beef sandwich, <laughs> spicy peppers, and that's all. That's all you need. Okay, that, I'm just going to tell you that a right note. now. I'll make a note to the guys that are going to Chicago. Ironically, going back to Chicago today for the Bulls tomorrow. I'll let the traveling party know. Beef sandwich, provolone, <laughs> little spicy peppers are good. Hey, final question for you before we get you out of here. We're going to be yes. talking about Miles Bridges coming up. Trying to. I mean, we know he's confident. We know he's been more aggressive. Like we know those things. But I just want to dig down a little bit and figure out what this, why this turnaround. Uh, it's it was difficult for him to st- start the season, and now it seems like he has just played so much better these last ten games. Uh, when when you numbers or otherwise, I mean, when you dig down into this yourself, what do you, what are you seeing out of Miles that maybe wasn't happening earlier in the season? Yeah, I think, you know, I think more than any other player on the team, he was asked to do more this year, whether it was guarding the best player on the other team. When you're constantly guarding a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or LeBron James or someone like that, it takes a toll on you offensively. It's tough to be a two-way player. So I think Miles, it took a while for him to get used to having that much more on his plate, whereas last year he was kind of a more of a role player. And this year he's a, especially lately he's been more of a prominent figure. Um, a lot of it's just aggressiveness. I don't think it was one single thing that clicked. I think it's just, you know, he's been getting to the rim a lot more. 
I think with his last eight games, his free throw attempts have doubled. So he's clearly getting to the rim. He's drawing contact. 80% free throw shooter, too. So three-point games opening up. Um, his corner threes have been – I think he's 50% on corner threes over these last eight games. And I think before it was like somewhere in the 30s, 37% maybe. So he's just – I mean, when you get to the rim and it can open up, he's shooting from everywhere. Rebounding has been great. He's been starting a lot of live ball rebound situations, things like that finding his teammates and just, I think, I think it's nothing more than really just kind of getting comfortable with everything he's being asked to do on both sides of the ball. And, you know, he's, he's, I think the confidence thing is big for him. It's nasty to be yesterday. I know it's only an MVP. I know it's only an exhibition game at rising stars, but can this MVP situation give him more confidence, especially after not making the game next year. And I, I certainly think it can. And I think everyone does too. So he's been, he's been a pleasure to watch. And I think it's, Really, overall, he's just he's getting more comfortable with what he's being asked to do, which was a lot more this year than he did last year. Sam Purley, he knows so much about what's going on with this team. Make sure to read his stuff over at Hornets.com. And now we know he is a connoisseur of fine Midwestern food fare. We appreciate yes. your time, Sam, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. More ahead on Miles Bridges, and we hear from Rick Bennell once again on what's going on with this player development that we're seeing with the Charlotte Hornets this season. Stick with us on Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Sam Purley of Hornets.com for joining us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. A lot of discussion about Miles, Doug, and he's been very interesting. I think when we talk about the young players that we're going to most pay attention to, I think Miles might be number one. And it's not because there's not a whole lot of young players to pay attention to. It's that Miles has played a lot better in the last month. It's that this is a first round pick. It's that this is someone that was not very good at all through the first couple months of the season, more than the first couple months of the season. And you talked to Sam about some of the reasons that he's playing better basketball. We talked that the efficiency overall has been a little bit better, but Sam referenced specifically the corner three and he's getting to the rim more. I think getting to the rim more also shows as an example that he has been more aggressive. I think the mindset has been different. Maybe nothing clicking per se, I think that can be said with Malik Monk, but clearly just being more aggressive for Miles has really helped. What did you take away from Sam's comments about the way that Miles Bridges have played recently? Yeah, I think it's a combination of him being more aggressive, but also I don't think that we should discount how JB is using Miles Bridges and uh, how the team in general is looking to Miles to to score, uh, whether it be getting him looks backing down towards the rim. Uh, I, I was taking a look at his usage percentage over the past couple of months versus the percentage of points that he's contributed versus the rest of the team. And if you look at it for the first three months of the season, his usage percentage was at about 18. And that's comparable to Cody Zeller in terms of his role within the offense. Now, in the six games in February, it's about at 23, which would put, which would put him at Rozier levels of offensive involvement. And I was taking a look too at the rotation 
uh, for the game against Minnesota. And you can see, especially in the middle of the second quarter and in the middle of the, or probably the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter, they're working Miles Bridges more into that power forward role along with bench players. And, and I think he's been more successful doing that. And so I think it's a combination of all of those things that has uh, resulted in Miles Bridges being more impactful offensively. So I haven't looked at the numbers because I'm, I'm a great researcher. I'm prepared. I'm professional. It's what I do. I've not looked at the numbers on this, Doug, but you mentioned the usage percentage going up. It seems significant. That has to be coming from post-ups, right? Like if we talk about four or five more touches in the post, which has clearly been a more frequent part of his game here recently, that's where the usage has to come up, right? Like that has to be the primary thing that makes that usage percentage increase. I think so. And I want to go back to something that you said at the beginning of this segment that he he was a first round pick. And I, and I think that's important because as much success as we've seen the Charlotte Hornets Uh, have recently with some of their developmental projects, both first round picks and second round picks and players that uh, were undrafted in terms of uh, Caleb Martin, who is is starting to, to show or excuse me, Cody Martin, who is starting to show or which one, which one of the Martin twins did they not draft? It was Caleb. Yes, Caleb. They did not draft Caleb. Yes. Again, professional on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thank you. Uh, I do my best. Uh, So they're having a lot of success right now, but you don't want to be reminded of some of the past sins of first round picks that don't quite turn out how you want them to turn out. So whatever happens with Miles, if he's a part of this team moving forward, or if they find a way to leverage his talents in a deal that brings back more assets, you want some kind of success from this first round selection and Miles Bridges. Because right now, uh, the player that they traded in order to get Miles Bridges, Shea Gilgis Alexander, is having a lot of success in season. And so, uh, you know, I think it's important that whatever happens with Miles in terms of the future, that we get some kind of value for that first round lottery selection. Yeah, that's funny because even within the negative frame of mind that we look at the way that Miles Bridges had performed up until, again, the last month of basketball that he's played or so, you know, last year we had finished that season, I think, having felt the best after a rookie season from any of the previous first round picks besides Kemba Walker and Cody Zeller might be the exception to that. I'm higher on Cody Zeller than you, but still I felt better about Miles Bridges, even with us looking at him not being this guy that has a crazy high ceiling. And then at the beginning of the season, leading up into really January, you know, Miles didn't provide anything that made us feel comfortable. We were all pretty worried about Miles Bridges. So having that first round factor, right? Like we feel fantastic about PJ Washington. That guy looks like he can absolutely be a stud. Even a couple of the second round picks that have been here with a Devontae Graham. You mentioned the improvement of Cody Martin as the season has gone on. Caleb Martin. You know, Miles, <laughs> Miles had even kind of taken a back seat to some of those guys. So for me, it's still interesting the way in the frame of mind that we look at Miles Bridges as a first round pick compared to the other ways that we looked at the former first round picks besides Kimba. I mean, what do you want from me? I mean, they look exactly the same. Uh, they're number, they're one number off from one another. Their, their names both start with C. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, I only have so much time in the day to figure this stuff out. It really is tough. You know what the most annoying thing about those twins being on our team, it's having to click on the name uh, of the box score. Like it's, it's C period Martin. 
And instead of just being able to quickly read the box score and see exactly what player did what, it's not going to be M. Williams. It's not going to be M. Kid Gilchrist. It's going to be C. Martin for both of them. And then I actually have to take the time to click open an extra tab to find out which Martin twin it was that had the game that indicate or indicated by those stats. Life, That's the most live stuff out there for a podcaster. It, it really is. <laughs> you know, you have no idea showing up late, having to click on an extra tab just to find out whose stats belong to who. It's really tough for a host. But thankfully, we have guys like Sam Perley and Rick Bennell who help us out quite a bit. We actually have some more Rick Bennell audio to get to to talk a little bit more about the G League and the development of Jalen McDaniels and Caleb Martin. Not Cody, but Caleb. We talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, a couple of young players that have looked promising, really, especially in the case of Jalen McDaniels. It's been Caleb Martin and Jalen McDaniels that have both been called up with Charlotte. What's more beneficial to them, Rick? Is it staying with the Charlotte Hornets or is it going back to Greensboro? As we've seen Greensboro really help guys like Devontae and certainly Dwayne Bacon at the end of last season. I think that the rule that um, that James Borrego set for himself and he's followed it to a T is if you have a chance to really play, then you belong in Charlotte. And if all you're doing is being used as a spare body in practice and sitting at the end of the bench, then you belong in Greensboro. Um, I thought it was interesting in that regard after Caleb got his first NBA start um, because, you know, because Terry was, was hurt and Jalen getting minutes early in that game. I, I said to JB after the game, what, you know, what would keep these guys here? Because obviously circumstantially with these buyouts, it's not like, you know, they don't have, you know, available, you know, you know opportunities available to them um, hypothetically. And I thought it was interesting that JB's reaction was, I specifically told them, this is up to them that they're going to, they're going to demonstrate by their performance just how much they want to stay in Charlotte rather than go back to Greensboro. And that does not imply that Greensboro should be perceived as a punishment, but the extent to which they can do something productive the last 25 games will decide how many of those 25 games they're in Charlotte. How have you evaluated Jalen McDaniels in your eyes, Rick? I mean, he seems to have shown something to a lot of the people that uh, watch Charlotte Hornets basketball. Um, I mean, he's still got a long ways to go to be, um, you know, somebody who belongs on a day-to-day basis in an NBA rotation, but he's a lot better than he was when, when he showed up. And I think that that, uh, that certainly reflects positively on Nick Friedman and everything they're doing up in Greensboro with that developmental program. You know, they put a lot of, they put a lot of extra money into both that developmental program and into the medical program. And the reason that they've, they've constant focused on those two areas is because those are the two very, very few, of the very few places in the NBA where you could have a chance to improve performance that isn't governed by a salary cap. And in perhaps the most impeccable timing that we've ever had here in podcast history, Doug, we got a Benel bomb tweeted five minutes ago. Whoa. Huge. Benel bomb. Big. Crazy. Bigger than the Woj bomb. What is it? Here in Charlotte. Tell me. 
How about this? Okay. At 12.33 p.m. Mm-hmm. on February 19th. That's not too long ago. Rick Bennell tweets out two quick roster items from interview with Hornets general manager, Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He anticipates that Caleb Martin. Okay. And Jalen McDaniels. Sure, it wasn't Cody Martin. Are staying in Charlotte. No! Fill an open roster spot by Saturday. Signing might come from existing Greensboro Swarm roster. Good chance it's a 10-day contract. Pretty crazy that we just played that sound and then Rick, ears were burning. And so was my Twitter. Almost as if we planned it. Almost. We didn't. But Who's that's to good say? that it happened. No, I wish you didn't say that because now people are going to think oh, that man. we did plan it. Darn now, it. Doug, it dropped a Branson bomb right there. Not nearly as effective as the Bunnell bomb. What did you take away from Rick's comments on the G League? Uh, you know, what's the most interesting part it was the medical, the, the investment that they've made into the development staff. Yes, but the medical staff. And we heard this from Rick in regards to Cody Zeller as well, that they had made some investments into this team, into small things that don't they don't get reported on a lot. These are small things that you don't you're, you're only going to hear on podcasts like this that really dig down into what's going on with this organization. Uh, but they did that to try to keep Cody Zeller healthy, and that's been successful. Cody has not missed a ton of games this season, and I think you know it's it's those kind of both investments, but also focuses that I think res- that, that I think represent a franchise that is trying to think about things that actually make a franchise successful long-term as opposed to say, you know, a Knicks team that is out there (laughs) hiring brand managers and putting them on, or they didn't put them on television, but he went on television and they can't (laughs) control it. Like, you know I'm saying? Like the Hornets, it seems like are focused on the things that matter and that should Uh, be whatever happens. That should be encouraging to fans. Or, you know, when your owner is out here forcing an issue that's doomed to fail two-thirds into the season, a la Dan Gilbert, forcing John Beeline out of college basketball. That's just another example of a team not thinking clearly, not thinking the correct way. And I love what Charlotte is doing. Doug, there's not enough, there's not a big enough thing of magnitude to register on the radar of the NBA national perception and what what Charlotte's doing. But at, at least here... It just seems like the perception should be changing because what Charlotte has done in previous in previous years, right? It's, you know, they they've drafted poorly. They've made bad trades. This is a team that has constantly been um, accused of having their owner medal in ways that aren't completely foreign to what uh, James Dolan and Dan Gilbert were doing with their franchises. I mean, people hated Michael Jordan. It was a classic excuse of why people hate the Charlotte Hornets, but it seems like Michael Jordan has let Mitch Kupchak do his thing. You know, Michael Jordan's not out here trading up for Devontae Graham. It's not Michael Jordan out here scouting the Martin twins. He doesn't even know how to tell them apart like you do, Doug. So the fact that Mitch Kupchak, it seems has the right frame of mind in trying to rebuild this organization. It's just, it makes me feel good. And I haven't felt good about this franchise in quite some time. Yeah, well, and the kind of the weird, cold, hard reality of this whole thing is that as a franchise, you can make all of these good decisions and good investments and make good draft picks. But so much of this comes down to luck and fortune and players not uh, sustaining season-long injuries and players developing in a way that maybe you didn't expect necessarily and players developing in a way that exactly like you expect them to. So... 
Yeah, I'm glad that the Hornets are finally getting out of it. seems like they're now getting out of their own way. And we just, as, as fans, we have to cross our fingers, cross our toes, cross anything we can cross to hope that they also get a little luck along the way and and try to put this franchise in a position where it can be successful and that they stay patient. I keep preaching for patience because I don't think that the turnaround begins next year. I think the next season is about setting up the turnaround and then you can start to explore some ways to take advantage of those situations and and make this a playoff team again. But I think the biggest mistake could be trying to make this team a playoff team next season. Well, Doug, it's why you have to evaluate the process rather than the result, because you're right. There is so much luck that goes into this. You can't trust. That's good. You can't trust the process. You must evaluate the process. Now you, you, must know, you sound like a calculator now. We must evaluate the process. Yes, Mitch Kupchak. Uh, I think you should evaluate the process rather than evaluating the result. And it's something I've mentioned on the podcast before. It's why I find the reason of firing GM so intriguing, because you know if Mitch Kupchak doesn't hit on some of these guys and he has to get fired. But I like the process of having more bites at the apple where he talks about having a couple of these guys make sure that they develop in the G league. And if one of them proves to be a rotation player, then the experiment will have succeeded. I I love that process. He understands that this is all luck, even though he's demonstrated a uncanny ability to actually select some really good talent in the second round, at least enough to stick around on rosters. He understands that, hey, this is a crapshoot. I can do the best in my ability to evaluate some of these guys, but there's a lot of luck involved. So let's try to just have as many bites at the apple as we possibly can. And he recognizes that. And we just didn't hear that type of thing from Rich Cho. I I love the way that Mitch Kupchak has gone about this, but you're right. Until he shows the patience to not hand out a ton of money to a Terry Rozier type player where you are paying him $18 million a year, then that that's the kind of patience I want to see not handing that contract out. Miami did not accidentally become an organization that could just find diamonds in the rough. San Antonio did not accidentally become an organization that was known uh, to have brilliant front office maneuverings and find players internationally that no one else was scouting or finding like this. These things don't happen by accident. There is luck. There is fortune involved. But you I think you're right, Walker. You have to put the processes in place so that you can have I love that more bites at the apple. I'm just really hungry. I mean, I really I mean, Sam Burley talking about all the Chicago food. You're talking about apples. I can't get the Martin twins told apart. I'm starving. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get you some food, Doug. I'm starving myself. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Doug, go get that apple. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and at Lockdown Horn. I'm so hungry.